0: second half just getting underway in Ottawa. Red Blacks up 13-10 on the Lions. Blue Jays still trailing the Angels 4-2 in the bottom of the sixth. Jose Bautista by the way back in action tonight activated off the DL he's 0-2 with an RBI and a strikeout Josh Donaldson has a homer in that game. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. In half an hour, a little less than that actually, we will bring you Stephanie Labe, goaltender for the bronze medal winning Canadian women's Olympic soccer team. So that'll be cool to have her back on the show. Talked to her just before the Olympics started, and now we get her as uh, she's back in town. She is from Stony Plain. Martin texting 630, 630. He says, Hey, Reed and Matthew, just finished watching a six part documentary on Netflix called last chance you as sports fans you should check it out it's about 20 year olds trying to get into div one college football little recommended viewing as martin probably doesn't know this i'm the last remaining person in north america to not subscribe to netflix yo you don't either matthew nope well we're the last two remaining weirdos on the planet then i guess so much weirder than our next guest welcome back to the airwaves from the Oilers radio network and overtime open line, it's my esteemed colleague Rob Brown. Hello, Rob.
1: Hello, Reed. How you
0: doing? I am doing great. I'm glad you're you're back in town. I know you you go away for the summer. We don't talk. We we decompress, and then you texted me last week, and you're like, "Reed, old boy, I want to be on your radio show again."
1: I've missed you, man. It's been you know eight, ten weeks.
0: I know that's a that's a long time. Now, what do what do you? Am I allowed to ask what you do all summer? Is it just is it a bunch of Netflix watching? You do you <laughs> work out or like are you all bulky uh, oh, now?
1: I, I I certainly don't work out. No. <laughs> um. Uh, our family we go we have a place just south of Cranbrook. So we go to the lake for about seven, eight weeks and lots of boating and surfing and golfing and fires and. There's no computer, there's no telephone, so it's perfect, just family
0: time. All right, well, that sounds cool. Now, I should, because, Rob, um, I, I obviously you're, you, you're away, so you don't hear what, what I'm doing. I have turned my golf game struggles into uh, kind of unintentionally into a bit of a regular narrative on this show. Um, I, I've been told stories of taking a couple lessons. I will say I probably have improved from terrible to horrible. Uh, are, are you improvement a good golfer? Is
1: improvement. Right, that's
0: right. It's one step in the right direction. Are you a good golfer?
1: Um, I'm a pretty good golfer. I'm about a six handicap.
0: Oh, that's really good.
1: Well, and depends. Depend. Well, actually, but if I'm playing for money, then I then I I, I pretend I'm a ten. <laughs> Right.
0: Oh, I haven't made a putt all year. Uh, uh, no, when did that, did, 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 did that? I mean, obviously you played in the NHL, so you, you're you're a good athlete. Did golf come to you naturally at a young age or, or where?
1: Um, I didn't really get into it until, I mean, at 15, I remember my grandfather teaching me how to golf, and it was kind of a, a cool thing that I got to spend time with my grandpa, just he and I going golf. And I wasn't good, but I enjoyed the camaraderie, hanging out with Gramps. And probably in my uh, early to mid-20s, Everybody that I played with golfed and, and were big into it. So you just started playing more and more. And then with the summers being off, uh, I got into it. So over the last probably 15, 20 years, I golfed quite a bit more. And I just enjoy the hanging out with your buddies and having a couple of beer and playing some golf.
0: Well, and, it's the, and this is the thing. It's, it's a recreational sport that you can't do recreationally to get any good at. Right, like you have to play three. Like I was golfing, uh, I was golfing a couple of weeks ago at Riverside in Edmonton, and I, I just got put with with two other guys. And one of the guys says me, well, you know, if you played three or four times a week, you'd probably actually be pretty decent. And I was like, well, yeah, but I I, I don't have the
1: time or the money to play three or four well, times no. a week. Well, and it's true, you're never gonna get good until you do it all the time. But you also got to practice. And then, uh, most most of us and my buddies, we just go because it's fun. So I mean. Yeah, we never get mad if we miss a putt. We never get mad if we have a bad hole simply because we're out there enjoying ourselves. So anything you shoot, you always want to shoot at least one better. So it doesn't matter how good you get, you're going to wish you were better.
0: Yeah, that's true. You can always look at around and say, oh, I, I could have made another putt or avoided that bad hole. Who was, a, uh, who was an NHLer from your era that was a pretty good golfer that you might have played with or known?
1: Well, Mario was an excellent golfer. Yeah. Uh, he was probably a, a one or two. scratch. Oh, but the best golfer I ever played with uh, was a guy Dan Quinn, who I played with in Pittsburgh. And he was uh, a plus three, I think it is, or a plus four. So he regularly shot in the, the high 60s. And I played with him. He wasn't as long as Mario, but, you know, anything inside 100 yards, it was up and down every time.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Rob Brown joining us inside Sports on 630 Chet It's 7.12. Of course, uh, Rob will be back on our Oilers broadcast uh, this season, so that's going to be fun. We are moving into the new building, Rob. I know I, I uh, talked to you last week and uh, told you a, a little bit about uh, my tours. It's uh, It's going to be roomier. Uh, You know, we'll get used to the 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 logistics of doing our broadcast, but that's uh, you know pretty easy to adapt to in the grand scheme of things. So uh, it's it's going to be fun. And uh, you know, even though you were away, I know you were following everything over the summer. And even Lucic said, "Well, you know, obviously Connor McDavid's reason number number one, but it it doesn't hurt to to, to have a new facility to be a player in."
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I played in some some old barns. I played in the old igloo in Pittsburgh that was. Uh, in the visitor's dressing room, you dressed in two rooms because the, the visiting room wasn't big enough. And in your own room, uh, your lockers were, I mean, you, there were the things that you would see in a grade three elementary school. That's how you hung your clothes up. It was terrible. And in Chicago, we played in the old uh, Blackhawk arena that was scary. At, at night, you didn't want to walk around there. And on New Year's Eve, they used to, the police would escort us out because, there's going to be gunshots going around, going around at 10.30 at night. So I played in some bad ones, and then all of a sudden the new rink comes along. Everyone wants to be part of it. They want to see the new facilities. They want to see the new dressing room uh, be part of uh, something that's just beginning. So it is a huge selling feature, and I know that the people of Edmonton are excited about it, and its proof is in the pudding where the Oilers continued to sell out over the last number of years with a team that struggled on the ice because everyone wanted to make sure they had tickets when that new rink opened.
0: Rob, we spent a lot of last season telling fans. You and I, uh, you and I agreed. Look, one of the players making six million dollars a year uh, will be traded. It'll likely be for defensive help, and it'll likely happen in the summer of 2016, perhaps around the draft, and uh, you know, and and or free agency. Uh, that happened. I'm, I'm not saying that because I think we were genius prognosticators. it just seemed we were following uh, logic. Uh, it happened uh, when, you know when it happened and Hall was actually moved out for uh, Adam Larson. Uh, you know what, what went through your mind? What was your reaction to that deal?
1: Well, I'm like a lot of people that I have alerts on my phone and I have a CSN alert and all of a sudden they get a, the alert comes on all traded for Larson more details to come and I'm like oh the more details are going to be the more players that are coming back or the draft picks or whatever it is so I was just surprised at everybody that it was Taylor Hall straight across and you I mean as of today the Oilers obviously lost that trade they traded away a, a player in Taylor Hall that was the franchise here and and who has there's a lot of players that haven't lived up to their billing Taylor Hall did and to uh, you know, Larson, who hasn't lived up to his billing as of yet. But unfortunately for the Oilers, they weren't in a position of power. The deficit they had on the back end was huge. And nobody's giving away a, a number one defenseman. Uh, so you had to make a deal that may hurt when you do it, but you knew that the way you were going right now with the defense that you had, you were not going to be successful. So. Unfortunately the Oilers had to trade away a very, very good hockey player and hope that Varson turns out to be the defenseman that he was projected to be and that some people out there still believe he can be.
0: Well, he's still pretty young. It it's been an interesting debate and it, like I, I I think Shirelli took a huge risk. That's what I say when he made the trade. Here here's the thing that I look at, Rob. If if the Oilers are a better team and and Lucic produces offense and McDavid is healthy and Talbot plays well again, you know I think fans will be like, okay, you got to look at the big picture with the team. What worries me is that you and I could be doing post game shows where they lose a lot of games 2-1, and people say, well the goals against are down, but now uh, you know if McDavid doesn't score, nobody scores. I guess to me that's maybe the worst case scenario out of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you took a huge part of your offense away. And Taylor Hall, as I said, Taylor Hall lived up to his billing. He is good, and he's going to be good. And the problem you're going to have is you're going to have one night, you're going to watch the highlights, and Taylor Hall is going to score a hat-trick and a New Jersey win, and the others are going to lose that game 2-1. And it's going to happen. And people are, see, we told you, look, if we had Taylor Hall, we would have won. The problem for the others is they they need a defense. And... Jordan Eberle was not going to get you a top defenseman. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins wasn't. Yakubov obviously wasn't. And the player that we and We talked about it a lot late in the season. The player that was going to garner the most interest and bring the most back was going to be Taylor Hall. Now, will the Oilers ever break even on this trade? I don't know. But if they were ever going to become a team that became playoff caliber or a team that became a championship team they had to get better on the back end. Now, I honestly don't know enough about Larson. You know, New Jersey is not a team that you see a lot on TV, and if they're on TV, normally you didn't watch it anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I'm just going by what I've read in the small snippets that I've seen of him. Hopefully, he will. I mean, there's other great defensemen out there that didn't have great starts. I mean, Hedman wasn't as good in his first or second year, and then all of a sudden, now he's all world. I don't know if Larson will ever be a headman, but if he can become a number one or two defenseman for a decade here, well, then the Oilers got something in this trade, and that's what the Sir Shirelli and the Oilers organization are hoping for. You
0: know, it's it's interesting, and, and you know the the thing I was saying, Rob, because we spent a couple weeks talking about that after it happened, and uh, and I often said on this show, especially to the people who are upset about it, I said, look, I'm not telling you not to be upset. And I'm not even saying that I like the deal, but there has to be a point where we say, okay, let's assume Peter Shirelli didn't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do something just to irritate Oilers fans, <laughs> or I'm going to intentionally lose a trade. Let's try to, to put ourselves in Shirelli's head. And, and we don't even have to put ourselves in Shirelli's head because he said this. He actually said we're gaining two defensemen because Oscar Klefbaum didn't play the final 50 games of the season. So I, 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 that's, that's an interesting mindset. I, I, I think Shirelli's trying to look at this and, and saying we're actually adding two relatively young and potentially up-and-coming, you know, not, not stud defensemen, but, but above-average defensemen.
1: Well, they are, but I mean, that is completely outside of the Taylor Hall trade because, I mean, they already had Klefbaum, and Klefbaum was going to be healthy whether they got rid of Taylor Hall or not. And they, they got it Lucic. I mean, obviously Lucic was a big piece of it because I don't know if they would have made the trade if they weren't getting a, a solid left winger. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, Shirelli obviously is not afraid to make a trade. One of the best players in the world, he's traded before in Tyler Sagan. So he's not afraid to make that deal. The Oilers have been spinning their tires. And you and I said in, in preseason last year that the Oilers would not trade one of their big stars during the season. But if the Oilers finished like they had finished the year before one of their stars is going to be gone and the only one that was going to bring something back that they needed obviously was Taylor Hall because Nugent Hopkins did not have a good year Jordan Eberle who I like as a hockey player but he's more of a uh, complimentary player he's not a driver Taylor Hall was the way you're going to do it and I'm sure that I don't think that Peter Shirelli just went out there and said hey Taylor Hall, Well, Lars, we like that Larson gave you Taylor, I am sure that he looked at other defensemen, he looked at other teams he tried other things, and this was the only thing that he could get done that he felt that could help the team. So, uh, I don't know if the others will ever win the trade, but hopefully, this trade will make the Oilers a better
0: hockey club. Yeah, and I think another thing I say in summary is that I don't think Shirelli's choice was this trade or a whole bunch of obviously better trades. I think his choice was this trade or perhaps doing nothing at all, and I think he was a little afraid to come back with exactly the same defense. So, look, it'll be, uh, you know, every game the Oilers play will be evaluating it over <laughs> and over again, so it's going to be fun. Hey, man, uh, just quickly, uh, did you still have your hockey camp going on?
1: Uh, yeah, we have one more day. I've been on the ice eight hours every day. I am physically beat <laughs> and tired. I'm, I'm too old for this. But, yeah, I know our school's going. Uh, Tomorrow is our last day. It's been a ton of fun. We had oh, over 200 kids this week and uh, a lot of kids that we see every year. So I really, really enjoy doing this.
0: All right. Well, thanks for making time for us, Rob. I'm so glad we're going to be working together again this season, buddy.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully this is the season it all turns around.
0: Right on. That is Rob Brown checking in tonight from the Oilers Radio Network, and we'll be back overtime open line right here on 630, Chad, following each and every Edmonton Oilers game. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. We'll keep you updated on uh, what's going on tonight. BC, by the way, just going up 6 on uh, Ottawa, and we'll let you know how the Blue Jays are doing too. Bronze medalist Stephanie Labbe in about 15 minutes.
2: For breaking
1: news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630
0: Chad. Good to have Rob Brown back on the airwaves. Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the Fixed Right, or it's free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Hey, Matthew, did you see this Ryan Lochte stuff? He's the uh, swim, one of the American swimmers from that uh, little uh, robbery uh, scandal there. I did. Ro- Can we call it Robbery Gate? Jeez. Oh, yes. Rio Gate. Rio Gate. Rio Robbery Gate. Brazilian police charging American swimmer Ryan Lochte with filing a false robbery report over that incident during the Olympics. A police statement said Lochte would be informed in the U.S. so he could decide whether to introduce a defense in Brazil. The indictment will also be sent to the International Olympic Committee's Ethics Commission. Lochte initially said that he and three fellow swimmers were robbed at gunpoint in a taxi by men with a police badge as they returned to the Olympic Village on August 15th. However, security video suggested the four actually faced security guards after vandalizing a gas station restroom. Meanwhile, Ryan Lochte has a new sponsor, Pine Brothers Softish throat drops Uh, that company saying or that product saying lochte uh, should get a second chance after the drunken incident he lost four major sponsors on monday including speedo usa and ralph Lauren. pine brothers said in a press release that people should be more understanding and forgiving of the swimmer he will appear in ads that say the company's products are forgiving on your throat. Have you have you ever heard of Pine Brothers' softish throat drops before today? Never, read. Never. Well, there you go. Their campaign has already worked. Because neither had I. So even if everybody else listening had heard of Pine Brothers' softish throat drops, see, I have to keep saying it. I'm not getting anything from that. There you go. It's worked. I won't say it anymore. He has a sponsor. That's a weird story. Blue Jays still down 4-2, top of the seventh to the Angels. B.C. leading Ottawa 19-13 with five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. This is going to be cool right after the 7.30 news. Olympic bronze medalist Stony Plain Stephanie Labe, the goalkeeper for the Canadian women's Olympic soccer team. She's coming up next. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad.
1: You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chen.
0: 24 and a half hours away from game number nine for your Edmonton Eskimos. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Ched. Pre-game show at 6, 8 p.m. kickoff at the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Brendan Ulrich, Blake Dermott, Scott Johnson, all part of our broadcast team. I think I'm going on the pre-game show, so that'll be interesting. Ottawa now up 2019 on BC, one and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Another CFL note today, uh, were you working last week when we had Keon Raymond on the show? Argos defensive back. Really good interview. Yeah, odd situation with him today, of course. Got Let's cut. You talk. Yeah. Got cut by the Argos. Had a pick six against uh, the Eskimos. Apparently, if he played one more game, the rest of his contract for this season guaranteed. He would have been getting all that money no matter what. So the Argos just say, yeah, you're, we're not bringing you back. That sucks for a veteran guy like that. That's why... Players in other leagues fight for uh, guaranteed contracts. Don't have them in the in the CFL. I would think somebody would sign this guy. He's still a good, really good defensive back. We will see about that. All right, it is seven thirty-four. Canadian Olympians coming back to the country, and one of them right here, back in the Edmonton area, Stony Plains own Stephanie Labbe. Stephanie, you won. Uh, she won bronze with the Olympic soccer team. Stephanie, welcome back to Inside Sports. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing?
2: Thanks. I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Good to talk to you again. Congratulations. Let me ask you this: Where's the medal right now?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's sitting beside me. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't left my sight.
0: So Stephanie, Canada able to get the bronze two Olympics in a row, but for you, first trip to the medal podium.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't uh, part of the team in 2012. I had taken a a break from the team that year, uh, so you know I wasn't there, and I was watching from afar and cheering the girls on, but. Um, Of course, you know, being a part of this team was incredible and, you know, it's such a different team. There was only seven uh, returning from the London team to this team. So it was quite a big turnover and we had a a much different mix of youth and veterans. And um, it was just a a great team to be a part of and um, just really exciting that, you know, everyone was able to step on the field and be a part of it.
0: It, it, this is obviously a team that, like like you mentioned, has experience in, in big events, and uh, the, the World Cup was uh, in Edmonton last summer with several games in Canada and all that kind of stuff. Um, how did the veterans on this team, uh, how did they maybe rub off on some of the younger players knowing what it was like to be on this big stage and, you know, you got to stay calm and stay focused and all those cliches, but they're they're probably true to some extent.
2: Yeah, for sure, you know, there are a lot of pressures, you know, you can play in normal tournaments and in university and your pro leagues, but you get to these big tournaments and there's all the added pressure and, um, you know, there's the scrutiny and expectation. And um, for us, I think going in, you know, we uh, as veterans, we kind of set a social media policy where we weren't allowing external distractions in. So um we kind of set a team rule not to be looking at social media um twitter instagram facebook you know not looking at any comments not reading articles about the team and that was the first big thing because you know there's a lot of nasty people out there that uh, have their opinions which everyone's entitled to but a lot of the time you know you can take those opinions to heart whether you you want to or not so our biggest thing was just to make sure that we we're you know kind of created a little bubble for ourselves and and made sure that everyone felt the confidence within the team and. Um, I think with that, there was a lot of girls that were on the World Cup team last year. So there was, you know, big pressure there playing in front of home crowd and a lot of expectation and scrutiny there. So I think that really prepared us for this tournament where we were able to go away and kind of be in a bubble and and really eliminate a lot of those distractions.
0: Was there a match or even a moment in a match where you might have felt, okay, you know, we're playing well, we're calm, we we believe good things are happening? Did Did you have that sort of light bulb moment during the tournament?
2: Yeah, for me, there's two moments that really stick out. I mean, firstly, definitely the first game against Australia, um, you know, 20 seconds in, we score that goal and um, kind of a dream start. You know, it's not what any of us were expecting. um, So to score that goal, but then, you know, 15 minutes later to be handed out a red card to one of our defenders and have to play a man down for 75 minutes of the game, that was a, a big blow to us. But I think just the way that the team handled that and the resilience that the team had that it was just like nobody put their heads down it was just completely you know what next task we know how to do this we've prepared for this scenario we know exactly what we need to do and to come out of that game with a two nothing win was huge and then for me the second moment was our third game against germany um going into that game we had never beat germany before they're ranked number two in the world and um you know we have our captain christine sinclair on the bench and melissa Tancredi took the the captain's armband that game and completely led the team you know the best performance i've ever seen her put in and scoring two goals to lead us to a 2-1 victory was incredible. So I think those two moments were were huge for the team's confidence and just – um, to, to back up our belief that we already had in ourselves.
0: I'm glad you brought up those games against Germany because, you know, the one thing I said talking about it on this show and when you guys were unfortunately defeated by them, I said that, you know, I would think Germany's a pretty hard team to beat twice in less than a week. I know you guys didn't didn't have that attitude, but just tell me about the quality of their play and, and just going toe-to-toe with them, you know, two matches, like I said, in less than a week apart.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're not ranked number two in the world for no reason. And, you know, they had the number one spot for, for many, many years. So they're they're an established team with complete world-class players all over the pitch. And, um, you know, for us, the first game, yeah, we went out and we were resting some players. But, you know, that that was the strength of the Canadian team is that we had such a deep roster. And it didn't matter who stepped on the field, they could perform for Canada. And, you know, we went out in that first game and and played incredible. And like I said, we had Melissa Tancredi who led us to that victory. Um, But then, you know, two days later to turn around and have to play France, the number three team in the world um, in the quarterfinal and in another emotional game, you know, and to come out with the victory there and then to have to play number two again, um, that's quite the feat. And, you know, for us, we're so proud that we were able to to knock off like three or four top five teams within a week. But to, yeah, have to play one of the teams twice um, and Germany is, you know, they're no pushover. They're an incredibly physical and, and technical team that's, um, like I said, established themselves on the world stage. So to have to play them twice uh, within a week with also playing number three in the middle of there, uh, it's, it's quite a tough feat.
0: Stephanie Labe joining us on Inside Sports from Stony Plain, bronze medal goalkeeper for the Canadian women's Olympic soccer team. Bronze medal games, Stephanie. Uh, some some people don't like them. Fans, athletes, coaches. Uh, some <laughs> people think, well, at least you get one bronze medalist. I mean, look, what was the? And, and again, some some of some of the girls on some of the women on the team would have gone through that in 2012, and Coach Herdman and everybody. But still, there had to be. I mean, how did you go from, oh man, we're not going to get the gold medal, to all right? We got one more game. Let's get the medal. We can win. How does that refocus happen?
2: Yeah, it was a it was a tough process. To be honest, you know, we went into the Olympics with the the goal in mind to hear our anthem and to be on the top of the podium with that gold medal. And um, you know, ultimately, we we were hoping to play Brazil in that gold medal game. That's what we wanted. We wanted to play the host nation and unfortunately you know the way the the cards were dealt we we didn't get into that gold medal game but we got the the chance to play brazil in the home country and the energy and the passion and the atmosphere there was absolutely incredible their fans are so passionate and they just love the game of soccer so to be in that environment was so incredible to to hear that and feel the energy um but yeah after the the germany game it, it was a heartbreak and it was tough and we really had to to rally each other up and and really build on each other because it was, you know, we put so much energy into wanting to hear that anthem and wanting to be on the top of the podium that when that's taken away from you, it's, it's really tough. And it took us a good, you know, day and a half to really wrap our heads around that and, and really kind of refocus the attention and look at it. You know, we still have a chance to get on the podium and no team has been on back to back podium since 1908. So we had a chance to, to rewrite history a bit with that. So, that was kind of our focus and what we started to put all of our attention and energy towards.
0: Playing Brazil in the bronze medal match, you you referenced the energy. I, I want to ask you the question th- this way: Have you ever been on the pitch when forty thousand people in the stadium wanted you to fail?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. You know, we we had the opposite uh, last year in the World Cup here in in Canada, having you know forty fifty thousand Canadians cheering us on. So we kind of had an idea of. What the energy would feel like um, but yeah definitely going into that game uh, it, it was tough when you know every time your team's touching the ball you're getting booed and you're getting you know all this negative energy and then every time they get the ball and it's you know not even close to a goal scoring opportunity but the fans just go nuts and it almost you know builds it up in your own head that you're like oh they're getting close to goal like and they're not really at all so definitely like the energy plays a toll on you and it it takes energy away from you a bit but you just got to find a way to fuel it and you know when we scored our first goal the stadium was completely silent it was like you could hear a pin drop and you know from my end of the field I almost thought that the goal was called back that it was offside or something because it was just so silent um so that was a, a pretty incredible moment as well
0: uh stephanie tell us what it's been like since you got back to canada other than probably talking to about a dozen people like me uh, every every day
2: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's been uh pretty overwhelming you know i came landed uh here in edmonton to a bunch of family and friends at the airport and um just the welcoming that i've got here has been incredible and and to be home and to you know be able to share my medal and this experience with my family and friends has has been so much fun and I have a new nephew now who was born a week ago, two days before the bronze medal game. So, you know, it's nice to be home and and get to go and see him now and and just be with the family.
0: All right. And uh, you're going to be at uh, the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium tomorrow. You and Jen Kish from the rugby team doing some uh, some pregame autographs. I I don't know if you ever thought you'd be uh, an added attraction to uh, to an Eskimos game. But just tell me how you're looking forward to that and uh, and, uh, what you look forward to mingling with some of the fans.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, any chance we get to, to get our faces out there and, and to meet the young fans that, you know, hopefully we've inspired, uh, I love to do. And I'm excited to get out there with Jen. And, you know, she's an inspiration to me. Watching them was a huge inspiration for us. We were following the rugby team and for them to, you know, get a medal in their first Olympics was quite the feat. So uh, I'm excited to be alongside her and, and meet some of the fans who were, you know, following our journeys and, and cheering and loud for us.
0: Right on. Well, it was it was it was awesome watching watching you guys play. And, and again, congratulations on on the bronze medal. And I know we talked f- just before the Olympics, and uh, you're certainly an inspiration, and you have a lot of support in Stony Plain, Edmonton, and, and all around. Stephanie, thank you so oh. much for your time.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Excellent stuff. Stephanie Labe 2016 Olympic bronze medalist in women's soccer. Bruce texting into 630-630 during that interview. He says great goalkeeper, loved watching all the Canadian games. More skill, talent, and class than Hope Solo's little toe. Congratulations. That is from Bruce. And, of course, American goalkeeper Hope Solo suspended six months by U.S. soccer for calling Sweden cowards after uh, they beat uh, the United States in the quarterfinal in the Olympics. He's not really going to miss any significant action, but they they did make the suspension. We have a little more Olympic stuff later on in the show. Glenroy Gilbert is the coach of the 4 x 100 meter relay teams, the men won bronze in Rio, so he'll take us through that process. Some memories of Atlanta as well. Uh, no show tomorrow because of the football game. On Monday, Erica Weeb, gold medalist in wrestling, scheduled to join us on Inside Sports, so keep that in mind. Uh, a little more Bob Nicholson scoreboard updates when we get back. Inside Sports on Chad
1: You're listening to 6.30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. There was a time.
0: Gavin has texted the show. He says, hey, Reed, I have heard of that company sponsoring Ryan Lochte. I won't say them anymore. From uh, when I was driving truck in the United States. That is a text to Gavin from 6.30, 6.30. All right. Appreciate that, Gavin. There you go. I wondered if anybody, maybe they're just in the States. I have never seen that product in Canada. They are a throat, what do you call those things, lozenges? Throat, yes. They're like, throat drops? Yeah. Like a hauls, pretty much. All right. So Ryan Lochte doing fine, I guess. Scoreboard
1: update.
0: Thanks, Scarlett twenty-one twenty BC leading Ottawa in the fourth quarter. What are you laughing at?
2: Didn't know that. that that's good to know their name.
0: And uh, the Blue Jays are now down six-two to the Angels in the bottom of the eighth. Well, okay, that's that's what happened. We we've had that for a couple of years now. We don't always play it. That's uh, just a bit of an aside here. That's what happened. I played that, and I joked that Scarlett Johansson did that voice, and Kellen Kennedy was working. I know I sometimes call you Kellen, but you're Matthew. You're the two main guys who operate the show. And I said, I said that was Scarlett Johansson came in and voiced our scoreboard update jingle, and he was like, "Oh, okay." And I and I said, well, "I think you know Scarlett Johansson would be considered one of the leading female sex symbols of the current generation, right?" She is, and. Uh, and Kellen says, well, what about Sigourney Weaver? Uh-oh. <laughs> I've told I, well, I've told this before. All, I'll shorten the story for the people it's new to. And I was like, really, Kellen? Sigourney Weaver? And he's like, yeah. I said, is that your celebrity crush? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, I find that interesting. He's like, well, what's, what's wrong with that? I said, no, that's fine. Like, like who you like. I just think, you know, it'd be a bit of a taboo relationship. There's a pretty significant age difference there. And I think at the time, what's Kellen, late 20s now? Is he, has he turned 30 yet? I don't know. Was, I, I believe he's hit the big three. So I think he was like 28 at the time. And I said, well, Kellen, like, that's that's a May and December romance. Like, I think that'd kind of be frowned upon. And he's like, well, what's a Weaver in her early 40s? And I was like, Kellen, she's 62. Now, again, not the. Nothing wrong with Kellen finding her attractive. I just, A, wouldn't consider Sigourney Weaver a current uh, sex symbol. And I I would think a 28-year-old man in a uh, romance with a woman in her 60s perhaps would be considered a little different. I don't want to sound overly judgmental. I don't think that happens a lot. Don't think so. I don't think there's a Mrs. Robinson going on out there. Blue and White texted the show. Great interview with Stephanie Labe. I don't think any country will take the Canadian ladies lightly anymore in future tournaments, especially with the results they achieved playing higher-ranked teams. The future looks bright. Now for the men's team, lots of work needed there. Well, yes, yikes. Canadian men's soccer team uh, lagging way behind. We'll see if they ever turn it around. It'd be nice to get them in major tournaments. There are obviously fewer teams... On the women's side of the draw but I don't want to belittle the Canadian women's accomplishment you can only beat the competition they've won a medal two Olympics in a row first Canadian team to do that since 1908 yeah it'd be cool to have the Canadian men ever in the World Cup or in the Olympics but uh, has not happened recently we had Rob Brown on the show last half hour we we're uh, talking about uh, his summer the Oilers JB says, good evening, Reed. couple of thoughts on the topic of Hall and Larson. Hall is a world-class top three left wing when you're in the NHL, but as we witnessed after McDavid goes down, he's not good enough or a game-changer enough to carry a team on his back. Not that the Oilers were shooting the lights out or winning all those games with McDavid. It shows that the mix that the Oilers had and that they've had for a few years now doesn't work. I believe, like you do, that that... The job was uh, that Shirely was taking a risk, but I think it's a risk well worth taking. Always complained over the last year and several years how the Oilers have the same type of team, keep bringing in the same players, and the old boys club keeps doing the same thing. Well, the new guy in town just changed things, and now everybody's freaking out over that. JB says, thanks for taking the time to read my text. No problem, JB. Thanks for taking the time to uh, write all that. I appreciate it. Lyle from Red Deer says Lucic and Hall had similar offensive stats. Lucic also brings grit and size and respect. Boston has not been nearly as good without him. He's only a few years older. Plus, the Oilers now have a potential first-pairing defenseman for years to come. Overall, I think it was a good trade and signing for the Oilers. And uh, Paul says if the trade was Hall for Lucic... Then Larson as a signing, fans would be okay. I'm fine with the overall change to the team, regardless of how it occurred. That is from uh, Paul. Uh, it is interesting. I mean, uh, Sid Smith was talking about this. Uh, I think he was on the afternoon show. He's our uh, our boss here at 6:30. Chad still fills in on air sometimes, and he was saying every you know everybody knew that the Oilers had to trade a forward for a defenseman. You can't have the same type of player you got to get it done, Shirelli. When are you going to make this trade? And then he makes the trade, and a lot of people say, whoa, 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 whoa. that's not what we meant. That's, that's not what we meant. <laughs> uh, it's tough. It's, it's a huge risk. It's, it's Shirelli's job to take risks. And, and I think he felt status quo wasn't good enough. And it, it's hard to argue with him because the Oilers have kind of had status quo for a few years, and, and they've been getting the same results. I say the same thing I've said all summer. What did the trade surprise me? Yes. Having said that, do I understand it? Yes, I do. And uh, I, I, I feel like I can't totally evaluate it until I see how the team plays. Perhaps how the team plays for several years. I will say this to the uh, texter who said the Oilers could have a really good defenseman for several years. That's what you're going to remember about Adam Larson, right? is that he's a, Adam Larson is 23 years old. He turns 24 in, uh, in November. He's already played 274 NHL games. I mean, the Oilers, could, the Oilers could have Adam Larson on their top line of defense for the next decade. That's totally within the realm of possibility. By the time it's time for his next contract, Adam Larson will probably be just peaking. That, that is the bright side of, of looking at it. The, the, the downside, like I've been saying, is that the Oilers are going to lose a bunch of games 2-1. They will defend better. Larson will help defensively. They'll have solid goaltending. Nurse and Davidson and Clefbaum will take a step forward, and there won't be any offense outside of McDavid. And we'll be sitting there thinking, where's Taylor Hall? He's playing for New Jersey and helping them score. That's the risk, no doubt about it. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee, you can visit actionfurnace.ca. You can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. Hey, the Riders are in town. The game's tomorrow. They're doing poorly. Jamie Nye covers them on a daily basis for CJME Radio in Regina. How is that fan base dealing with the record, with the fines? Is this team getting worse as the season goes on? We'll talk to Jamie when we get back. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.